Hello, my friend. If you're a pastor, this podcast is for you. Let's talk shepherdology. This is episode three of Shepherdology. My name is Dean Taylor, and Shepherdology is for pastors. I've started this podcast because I know that pastors need a friend. You might have somebody that you can talk to or bounce ideas off of or that encourages you during difficult times, but I also know that some pastors don't, or maybe it just helps to have a friendly voice speaking into your ear and speaking truth into your life, and that is what I desire. So thank you for listening to Shepherdology. I really appreciate it. I was a pastor for 25 years, and now I am a college professor. I teach pastoral students at Faith Baptist Bible College in Ankeny, Iowa. So I am now equipping a new generation of pastors, and that is my joy and my passion. And I'm very grateful uh, for the opportunity I have. And I want to reach out beyond uh, my immediate work. I not only want to equip a new generation of pastors, but I also want to be a friend to men who are in ministry now. So that's one of the reasons that I have started Shepherdology. I've met pastors and kind of have a a network of uh, pastors that I'm getting to know now and want to encourage and and pray for, and uh, but I want to extend that through this podcast, and so I'm glad that I can do that. I've been thankful to see an increasing number of downloads and a few followers, so thank you for that, and I hope that this will continue to encourage and maybe even grow in its impact. I start each podcast with an encouraging truth for pastors. Your influence on people is greater than you realize. Now, I mentioned that I was a pastor for about 25 years, and I realized the first time that I came to the end of my ministry at the first church that I pastored, I'd been there for about nine and a half years, and when my wife and I were leaving that church, people began expressing to us their appreciation and the ways that we had impacted them and, and we had no idea. We just didn't even realize. You know, when you're in the middle of ministry and life, you just don't realize the impact that you're having. And, of course, you preach and you counsel and disciple and, and you, you know, just spend time with people. But you don't realize it, but you're having a long-term influence on them, and you're shaping their lives. Those times that you visit their homes, those times that you show up at the hospital, the times when you're there after their baby is born or you're there when they're uh, having the funeral for a loved one, and just the fun times, the casual time you spend with them accumulates over the years an impact on them. And and yes, you might uh, go through a crisis or, or counsel them through some great difficulty and impact them that way. But honestly, a lot of times it's just just being there, just living life with them, just being an example to them. Uh, I remember when I, I was a youth pastor before I became a pastor, and a few years after I left where I was a youth pastor, I got a phone call from a young man who had been in the youth group, and it was a few years after that. And he said, hey, Pastor Dean, I wanted to talk with you, and I believe that God is leading me to be a missionary 
and what advice and what what guidance would you give me? And I'm telling you, this young man, I had no idea that he would end up going into ministry or becoming a missionary. And I had spent some time with him. He, his, his mother was single. Parents were divorced. I would pick him up after school sometimes, go out for something to drink and just to talk and encourage him. And honestly, I felt like I wasn't really having much of an impact. But then there it was, you know, a few years later, and realizing that God had been at work in his heart and, and using me in some way to encourage him. Uh, not too long ago, uh, my wife uh, received a message on Facebook from a, a young lady who's married and has children, and she had been in our youth group when I was a youth pastor, and she was in junior high at the time. And my wife was very involved with uh, me and our youth group. In fact, she taught a senior high girls Sunday school class. And this girl reaching out to my wife through Facebook said, uh, you know, you've had an impact on me. And and we ended up having a meeting. Uh, she and her husband were coming to our area for a concert, and we met for dinner. And when we were talking, she said, she said, you know, I used to sneak into your Sunday school class. My wife taught senior high girls, and this young lady was in junior high at the time. And she said, my friend and I snuck into your Sunday school class. And one of the youth sponsors was about to make us leave, and, and this, this young lady said uh, to my wife, you, you told the youth sponsor just to let us stay, and, and you really impacted me. <laughs> and it's funny, of course, to think back about somebody sneaking into Sunday school, but she, she was impacted by my wife. And, and again, my wife had no idea until she told her here now, you know, 20 years later or more. And so it's just amazing the impact that we have. Uh, I, I preached a certain sermon series in uh, the last church that I pastored, and you know, three, four, five years later, and even now that we're gone from there, people tell me, wow, that sermon series really impacted us. It was a series called Renewing Biblical Christianity, and just going back to the Word and not being governed or controlled by... Uh, by traditions or expectations or why we that we've done something always a certain way, but just really going back to Scripture and understanding what the Bible has to say about specific issues. And people still talk about how that impacted them. So my encouragement to you, pastor, friend, is that you are having more of an impact than you realize. So be faithful, be steadfast, be prayerful, be dependent on God, uh, make your decisions, preach your messages, spend your time with people, and just know that you are impacting them more than you realize. Now, in these first few podcasts, we're talking about a pastor's primary responsibilities. And we talked the first time about a pastor's ministry of the Word, both public and personal. So preaching and teaching and you know, leading Bible studies, but then also meeting with people personally, discipling them, counseling them. I think evangelism, sharing the gospel with people is part of this as well. So so that's one of your primary responsibilities, the ministry of the Word. The second one that we talked about is spiritual care for people. The, the time that you spend caring for people and walking with them through the challenges and the trials and the sorrows, as well as the joys and the celebrations and the high points of life, and just guiding them to walk in truth, helping them grow spiritually, and ministering to them through those difficult times, sometimes just by being there. 
And so that's a second primary responsibility, spiritual care for people. Now today we're going to focus on a third area of responsibility, and that is a pastor's leadership and oversight of the church. As I've shared, I see three areas of responsibility that a pastor has primarily, and this is the third one. It is a leadership and oversight of the church. Let's talk about the principle, first of all. A pastor, the word pastor, means shepherd, shepherd. What does a shepherd do? Well, a shepherd leads his sheep. He leads them to places where they can find pasture to eat. Uh, He leads them sometimes back to the fold uh, to sleep in a safe place at night. Uh, He might uh, lead them from one pasture to another pasture because uh, there's better nourishment, better grass there for grazing. Sometimes he leads them to a place of safety. He protects them from danger. So a pastor uh, leads his people just like a shepherd leads his sheep. The word, a, a word in the, using the New Testament for pastor is the word overseer. Now, if you've studied uh, the New Testament uh, passages related to being a pastor, you know this. If you've had a pastoral theology class, you've probably studied this. But let me just quickly review it. The Greek word is episkopos, two parts to that word, epi and skopos. You hear, might hear the word scope in there, to see, and epi, over. So to, to see over, or we would say to oversee, to be an overseer. In 1 Timothy 3.1, when Paul is talking about the qualifications for a pastor, he says if a man desires the office of an overseer, an episkopos, he desires a good thing. Paul in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, said to the Ephesian elders, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So that challenge to the Ephesian elders, who were pastors, was to be overseers. And he said the Holy Spirit has put you in that position. There's a lot of encouragement there for you as a pastor. The Holy Spirit has made you an overseer, and the purpose, as Paul said in Acts 20, 28, is to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. You have a sacred trust and a high calling and a very important duty to care for the church of God, and part of that is being an overseer. Peter used the same word in 1 Peter 5, 2. When he said shepherd, the flock of God, there's the pastor idea, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. That's the same word, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. And then Paul used this term in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 17 when he said, let the elders who rule well, there it is, rule well, be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So Paul is is recognizing, and Paul is, we might say, certifying the idea that pastors, use the term elders here, pastors have a place of leadership. He said, let the elders who rule, rule well. So this is a biblical concept. This is not something that we've made up, or it's not something that pastors you know, are on a, on a power trip uh, used to, to uh, kind of domineer over their people. That's not the idea at all. 
this this idea of of a pastor's leadership and oversight in the church is a biblical principle. So how does a pastor lead? How does a pastor exercise oversight in the church? I'd like to suggest five ways that a pastor leads and oversees the church. The first one is by giving voice to the Word of God. A pastor leads and oversees the church by giving voice to the Word of God. Who is the head of the church? Well, that's Jesus, isn't it? In fact, he is the shepherd. He is the good shepherd. He is the great shepherd and the chief shepherd. So he's the the number one overseer of the church. But we are under shepherds, and we have the opportunity to, to resound the shepherd's voice to his sheep. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Well, how does a church hear the voice of Jesus Christ today? It's through the Word of God. It's through the Scriptures. So, pastor, as you preach, as you teach, as you declare the Word with confidence and with clarity and with authority, you are leading and overseeing the church. You're giving voice to the Word of God. And I think that is the primary means of giving direction to the church. You might think, well, it's, you know, decisions or making big plans or uh, telling people, you know, what they should do. Well, I would say this is the number one way to lead the church, and that is by giving voice to the word. Let the chief shepherd speak. Declare the word with certainty and with authority and with clarity and let them hear his voice. And, and yes, the Word of God applies to people's individual lives and spiritual growth, but there's a lot of Scripture and many principles that give direction to the church as a whole. What should the church look like? What should the church be pursuing? What should the church be accomplishing? What are the priorities in the church? What does leadership look like in the church? Who can serve? How can people serve in the church? There are key passages related to this, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and of course there, there's a whole lot more. But you lead and oversee by giving voice to the Word of God. So that's the first way. The second way is by being an example to the flock, by being an example to the flock. You lead by example. Uh, Peter said this in 1 Peter 5. Don't be lords over them. Don't domineer over the people of the church, but be an example to them. Lead by example. And Paul talked about this when he was uh, challenging Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. He said, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, that's with how you talk, your speech, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So he was telling Timothy, you need to be an example to the people of God, the people that you're ministering to. So that's the second way that you lead and oversee. So first of all, by giving voice to the word of God. Secondly, by being an example to the flock. And then thirdly, by establishing the direction of the ministry by establishing the direction 
of the ministry. Let me talk about what I mean by that. I referred to it a few minutes ago. There are truths and instructions in Scripture that tell us what the church is supposed to be doing. A couple of examples come to mind. Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, where Jesus said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. So that commission to the disciples is something that we carry out as the church. We know that in Acts chapter 1, Jesus reiterated to the disciples there that they should be going and taking the good news to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. And then those apostles started preaching the gospel. People were saved. They taught them the the truths of God's word, taught them how to follow Jesus. And so we, we carry that on today. So, Pastor, how should your church be doing that? How should the church be making disciples and carrying out the Great Commission? See, I think you as a pastor have the opportunity and responsibility to put that out in front of your church and to, to establish that as a direction that your church should be pursuing, and then to generate conversations around how are we supposed to be doing that. Let me give you another truth that I think is instructive for the church and tells us what the church is supposed to be doing. Ephesians chapter 4 is a key passage, verses 1 through 16, that talks about how a church should be growing. And Paul says there that the church should be growing to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that tells you the direction that your church should be growing and maturing toward the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, as a pastor, you have a responsibility and a wonderful privilege of determining what that means and then leading your church in pursuing that. How can, what is the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? And then how can and how should we as a church be moving in that direction, growing toward that goal. And probably in another podcast, I'll talk more about that and what that phrase means and how to pursue that. But I just put that in front of you, that as a pastor, you can and and should be establishing the direction of the ministry and teaching that truth and encouraging your people and then having some conversations around how do we pursue that. You know, some churches have a mission statement that can be very helpful. Even if your church doesn't, or if maybe you're not comfortable uh, using that terminology, it sounds too corporate, or maybe it just doesn't fit your church's culture, but I think that you, on your own, can develop a sense of, of mission. Why does our church exist in this place at this time? Why does our church exist in this place and at this time? What is your mission? And then just start talking about that and and, and then having conversations with your leadership about that and and preaching messages that put that out in front of people. And sure, you might develop it as a formal statement. You might put it on your website. But but it just there's something there that you know you as a church should be pursuing. So you as a pastor, you initiate those conversations, you you uh, put those statements in front of people, you teach and preach on those and you guide your church in pursuing those. That's what I mean by establishing the direction of the ministry. 
So I've given three ways to exercise leadership and oversight of the church, giving voice to the Word of God as you preach and teach, being an example of the flock in your personal life, and then thirdly, by establishing direction for the ministry. A fourth way is by guiding the organization, guiding the organization. And this kind of grows out of out of the third one. But there are times when the church just needs a guiding hand. It needs someone to stand in front of them and to say, you know, uh, here's something that's happening in our community, or here's something that's happening in the life of our church, or here is... Uh, uh, a problem that has come up, or here's an opportunity we're facing, or here's a decision that we need to make, and and you just guide the church through that. You have that steady hand. You have that calm, assuring voice. Sometimes you you teach or preach on truths or principles that help the church through those challenges or know how to to take those opportunities or that lay out some some principles that guide them through a challenging decision. So so just guiding the organization and at times that comes into helping give guidance to things like um, you know electing officers or developing the budget doesn't mean that you control those things necessarily. But you, you, offer, uh, you offer guidance. You make suggestions about truths that should be guiding the church or principles they should be considering or, again, goals that they should be pursuing. So that's a fourth way. And then the fifth way to give leadership and oversight to the church is by protecting against false teaching, corrupting influences, and division. So you give leadership and oversight to the church by protecting against false teaching, corrupting influences, and division. Now, this is what Paul was talking about in Acts chapter 20 when he told them to take care of the church over which the Holy Spirit had made them overseers. And right after that, he said, there are wolves even from among you that will destroy the flock. And I'm telling you, it's true. And sometimes there are, there are people that come into the church setting and they become divisive or there are influences from outside the church that threaten the unity of the church or the doctrinal purity of the church. And a pastor needs to take leadership in protecting his flock. That might mean preaching on something that uh, your people need to hear to protect them from a certain influence or false doctrine. It might be confronting a person who is being, uh, who's causing disunity or maybe even is being divisive and is uh, influencing people away from either a truth or possibly causing disruption in the relationships in the church. Uh, it might mean that you, you lead the way in, in uh, initiating a process of, of confronting a church member who is in sin and going through the steps that we call church discipline, uh, described in Matthew chapter 18. It might be that you step in and help two people that are in a conflict to resolve that conflict. It might be that you take a decisive position, strong position, and decisive action in dealing with somebody who is, is just really causing a disruption in the church. So, so there are things that a pastor sometimes needs to do where you just... You just calmly, confidently exercise your position as a shepherd, as an overseer, 
and you protect the flock against false teaching, corrupting influences, and division. And God will give you wisdom in, uh, in knowing how to do that. So I hope that, that these five uh, ways of exercising leadership and oversight help you think. And there may be other, other ways uh, that come to your mind, but maybe this has prompted those for you. I certainly hope so. You know, leadership uh, provides or presents challenges, and sometimes a pastor struggles with, okay, what, what does it mean for me to be a leader, and I know I'm supposed to be a servant leader. Um, we know from Mark chapter 10 that Jesus told us that if you're going to be great in the kingdom of God, you should be a servant, and the whole concept of servant leadership is emphasized many times, and, and certainly that that is... Uh, a truth that we should adopt into our lives, into our, our leadership approach and mentality. But, but we do need to balance that with the fact that, that we are overseers as well. So we're not lording, we're not domineering, we're not just trying to control people or use them for our own benefit or make them do things they don't want to do. That's not the idea. Uh, we're, we're out front, we're setting the pace, we're the shepherd we're we're setting direction and you know as paul said follow me as i follow christ and that's what we're doing uh, sometimes we do have to make decisions and and there are difficult decisions that have to be made now your church constitution or bylaws the way that your church is set up and the polity that you follow is going to provide some structure for this and how you function in that and I would say if you're wrestling with, with what your role is as a pastor and what kind of leadership you can and should exercise, um, start there. You know, look over that constitution, those bylaws, and just see how the church is set up. And really, you're obligated to function within that. Now, if you think it's uh, unbiblical or if you think that there's a better way to balance that leadership, especially between the pastor or pastors and the deacons, I would just encourage you to approach that very carefully and with patience and a lot of prayer and just seeking wisdom in that. And there there may be conversations that you need to have. It might be that um, you, know, you look at how things happen and the way that uh, the church business is done and, and decisions are made, and you think, hmm, I'm not sure this reflects a biblical pattern. It seems like, for example, uh, the deacons seem to have more authority and exercise leadership in a way that does not follow the biblical pattern. Well, I would just encourage you to just study the scriptures and maybe have have some discussions and uh, just you know just maybe encourage uh, the, the people that you work with, uh, the men in those positions, to study together with you through key passages like Acts chapter 6 and 1 Timothy 3 and then some of the ones that I've mentioned here today and and just just generate some conversations around what did leadership look like in the the New Testament church and what are the implications of that for us today. Um, There may be the Holy Spirit may already be working in their hearts and they might see that there's a need for change and there may be some openness to, to change, but just proceed very carefully and with a lot of wisdom and, and patience with that. You know, I, I realized uh, at one point in my life, looking back, that that uh, the first church that I pastored, the uh, the deacons had a lot of authority, and and sometimes I struggled with that. But but I also realized that I was a pretty young man at that point in my life, and if I had had free reign 
and made decisions um, the way that sometimes I, I wanted to. I could have been impulsive, uh, could have made some real mistakes in the areas of finances or other, uh, other issues in church life. And looking back, I am thankful. I am thankful for the level of leadership that those uh, older and godly and, and wise men had at that point. Now, again, I'm not talking about something that would be unbiblical or would go beyond what Scripture allows, um, but just sometimes the, the situation, the circumstances are different, and your situation might be unique. And so just think through that, study what the Scripture says, maybe have conversations with some of those men, approach it very patiently, and the Holy Spirit can work if uh, there should be some kind of adjustment or change in that. Now, I would say this, if you find yourself in a situation where you just cannot, in good conscience, function, you would just say, you know, I just think this is unbiblical. I think that there is a body here uh, set up in this church and and the polity and the way it functions that goes beyond what Scripture allows and that it uh, diminishes the leadership role that a pastor should have and it's affecting um, your ability to function as a pastor. And if you start having those conversations and you realize, you know, uh, it would be disruptive for me to change this, there is not openness to change, well, again, I would say proceed very, very carefully, very cautiously, but you just got to resolve in your own conscience what you can do and what you can function within. And, you know, you might find yourself in a situation where you just need to step back and say, rather than disrupt the life of this church, it might be that I need to step back from here and move on and uh, pastor elsewhere where I can function, and I can do so freely within the parameters that the church has and in a way that, that I think uh, in my conscience follows Scripture and that I can glorify God in that. Now, there are a lot more issues. In fact, I did a little survey uh, in a pastor's Facebook group about this, and I was hoping to get to some of these today, but um, I kind of touched on one of them there just a minute ago. Here, I'll just quickly touch on a couple of others. I don't want to go too much longer, um, but uh, just a couple of others. One of them is uh, exercising leadership in the church, um, working with volunteers. So, you know, and that's true. <laughs> you know, we're not bosses. We're not uh, business owners. We're not employers. We can't just tell people what to do. People are volunteers. And so if we're trying to exercise leadership in the church and enlist people to serve and uh, hold events and activities and uh, church functions, church gatherings, services, and all of that, you know, we need help. We need people to be involved. We want them to be faithful. So how do we work with volunteers? How do we motivate people? How do we lead by enlisting people in ministry? Well, here are just a few, a few thoughts on that. One is teach and preach. Again, I think it starts there. Teach and preach the principles of church membership and of involvement in ministry. Ephesians 4, pastors equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Romans chapter 12, the gifts that Paul talks about, and, and, and then 1 Corinthians chapter 12, every member has abilities given by the Holy Spirit to function as a body. Just exposit those passages and, and pray the Holy Spirit will work in people's hearts and challenge them to, to align their thoughts and their hearts and rearrange their priorities so that they can fulfill these biblical principles. 
So preach and teach those principles of involvement in ministry. Teach principles of faithfulness. And then specifically ask and enlist people for specific areas of responsibility. Have job descriptions. Ask them for a time period. Hey, would you be willing to teach the four- and five-year-old's Sunday school class for the summer or next September through May. Give a time parameter on that so they're not, they know they're not committing for life. Uh, and train them for that. Make sure you're training them well. And and just, just work that uh, process and pray for God to provide the people who can help. I'd say it's always a challenge. And faithfulness and being on time and being dependable are challenges. And it's just one of the things that pastors have to, I think, be patient with. Uh, but it's a spiritual growth process for people, learning about serving God in and through the local church ministry. Uh, another question, uh, how can a pastor oversee areas of ministry that are not his strengths? And that's a really good question. And I'll just briefly answer that. I think Hopefully, you'll be able to enlist and equip people who can oversee those areas. And that may be challenging if those people are not in your church. Um, you know, one, one way of thinking about that is, well, if God wants us to have a ministry or uh, develop a certain area in church life, he'll provide the person or the people necessary to do that. I think that's a pretty good thought. Uh, I think that's uh, maybe a helpful way to approach it. Um, so you can, you know, put the idea out there, present um, the the vision for a particular area of ministry, and uh, just say we're going to pray that God will provide someone to help us with this, and God might lay it on the heart of somebody that that's already there, or He may bring somebody into the ministry, or somebody who has a willingness to be trained or to grow, and and so. You know, you're one person, and you cannot do it all. There's no way that you can do everything. So you've got to set your priorities, going back to those three areas, ministry of the Word, spiritual care for the people, leadership and oversight of the church, and you have your limitations. And I think you can share that with your church leadership, with your deacons or whoever that is, and just say, you know what, I want our church to, be, to do things well, I want our church to be strong in these areas. I want us to have these ministries, but I'm one person. I can't do it all, so let's pray for God to bring the people together who can accomplish these things. Oh, there's a whole lot more we could talk about with leadership. In fact, I think this is one of the areas maybe that pastors struggle with the most. I know I did a good bit as a pastor. Just what does that leadership look like? My personality, my strengths and weaknesses, how do I lead with those and so we can talk more about this at another time, possibly. But I just wanted to lay a foundation for you and uh, maybe help you think through these things. And, you know, as always, we, uh, our ministry makes us aware of our need for God's grace and for wisdom from Him. And one of the things I want to do with this podcast is to pray for you. So I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to pray for you, especially in this area of leadership. So let me pray for you, my friend. Heavenly Father, we are conscious of our inadequacy. And I think that possibly the area of leadership and oversight may make us aware of our inadequacy like nothing else can do. Uh, Lord, especially some pastors just don't feel like they're very good leaders. 
But I pray that you will help the pastors that, that I'm talking to right now, that we've been spending this time together with, you'll help them to grow in their oversight, in their leadership. Help them to give voice to the Word of God faithfully and clearly. May they relay to their people the voice of the shepherd. Father, help them to be examples, maybe areas where they're not being great examples or where they're inconsistencies. Help them become stronger in those areas. And then help them, I pray, Father, to have wisdom in establishing direction for the ministry. Lord, I pray that they would search out the truths from your word that tell us what direction the church should be going, and then give them patience and wisdom and resolve in leading the church in that direction. Help them to guide the church as an organization through challenges, through decisions, through opportunities, and help them to protect their church against false teaching, against corruption, impurity, and division. Father, help them to be uh, faithful shepherds in that way. Help them, I pray, to lead without domineering. Father, help them to have that gentle spirit, that loving heart, that patient manner. And just give them wisdom, I pray, as, as they oversee their church. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If Shepherdology helps you, would you take a minute and just share it with a friend? My prayer is that God would use this podcast to encourage pastors, and maybe there's somebody that you know that would benefit from it. I look forward to, to uh, having more of these and, and uh, going through the different topics that I have in mind, and uh, you could even pray for me. Pray for wisdom as I select topics. I have some plans, but uh, I just need wisdom in knowing how to approach those. And so uh, please, please pray for me in that way. And then if you'd like to get in touch, I would love to hear from you. I've gotten uh, an email or two, and I appreciate that. The email is shepherdologypodcast at gmail.com, shepherdologypodcast at gmail.com. My website is deanhtaylor.com, deanhtaylor.com. And we can connect on Twitter at deanhtaylor63. Thanks so much, friend. And let's get together again soon, and we'll talk shepherdology. Thank you.